invite you to remain standing for the reading of the gospel today, which comes to us from Matthew chapter 19, we read verses 16 through 26. Matthew 19, 16 through 26, we hear the word of the Lord. Then come what, someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read and word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We love the sound of babies, don't we? So, today we begin a new series entitled Defying Gravity. And it's our stewardship series this year. And so I hope that you will enjoy uh, listening through this, we have to talk about money at least once a year, and so um, we don't get out of it, so we get to do that during this time. So today we start with discovering gravity. On January 4th, 2015, social media posts began to circulate this message. You ready? It said, the long-awaited planetary alignment will cause a gravitational fluctuation that will leave you weightless for a short period of time. The story was that British astronomer Patrick Moore predicted that on that morning, an extraordinary astronomical event would occur. At exactly 9.47 a.m., the planet Pluto would pass directly behind Jupiter in relation to the Earth. The rare alignment would mean that the combined gravitational force of the two planets would exert a stronger upward gravitational pull, temporarily counteracting the Earth's own gravity and making people weigh less. I say it needs to stay there permanently. Someone say amen. (laughs) The story added that people could experience the phenomenon by jumping in the air all 
at the precise moment the alignment occurred. If they did, Moore said and promised they would experience a very short floating sensation. So, at 9.47 a.m., people all over the world hurled themselves into the air at exactly the same time. Does anybody want to get up and try it? Only to discover, when they did this, that they could not escape Earth's gravitational pull so easily. So naturally to say, the, the sense of weightlessness did not occur. Obviously it was a hoax. Ever since Sir Isaac Newton identified what made apples fall to the ground... We have known that gravity is a consistent and unfailing force. We don't even realize that it is ordering our world right now. But today I want us to look at another force that is working all around us all the time. Just as gravity exists in the natural world, Financial gravity exists in the economic world to which that we live in every single day. Financial gravity is generated by the culture and the economy in which we live, and just like the Earth's gravity, it is necessary for our existence. It is necessary for our daily living. Every human being has certain needs, right? Food, clothing, and chocolate. Oh, wait a minute. I think, it's, I think there's a different C word. I think it's food, clothing, and uh, shelter. Well, clothing is the C word. <laughs> food, clothing, and shelter. I think I need some of that chocolate right now. <laughs> and we have to procure all these things uh, for ourselves and also for those in whom we love. Problems with financial gravity, though, arise when that force is felt with so much intensity that it begins to weigh us down and control us more than we control it. You notice financial gravity uh, when you open an internet browser or when you go through Facebook and you see ads posted for the items in the exact color and size that you want because of all the little micro-gravitational things that go out into the internet world that tell the marketers exactly what you're looking for. You feel it when you walk down the street of the local town center with an eclectic mix of retail stores and specialty shops and cinemas and restaurants. You feel it sometimes if you enter a shopping mall and the financial gravity is palpable. Something that pulls you inside each time you pass a store or click through the internet. That is, is financial gravity. The, the impact of financial gravity can, can be measured when we examine our bank account, 
And whenever it's lower than we like it to be. The impact of financial gravity can be felt whenever we examine our credit card bill. And it's higher than we want it to be. The key, though, to financial gravity, because remember, we cannot get away from it, but the key is to experience the force in just the right proportion. You know, all of us feel the force of our needs. There are normal things of life. As an adult, we have to figure out the income that we need to provide for all of these needs. Needs, needs are like the weights that were stacked onto this sled. A short list includes food, shelter, clothing, and the things that allow us to work and live, such as transportation and communication. But the problem arises uh, because we live in a society that constantly tells us that we would be better off if we have more and bigger and better things. Soon, we move well beyond our needs into the zone of wants. For most people, the list of wants is never short. I know mine's not short. For most people, the list of uh, wants includes maybe a newer or, or a, a better TV, a faster computer, a larger home, a, a designer dress or suit, uh, maybe an expensive hobby. Whatever the case may be, we all have our wants, our desires. And as we add these and more and more to our lives, we can experience and feel the added force of financial gravity that weighs us down. Every weight we add to the sled weighs us down even more. What we hope would bring us freedom can actually bring us exhaustion. Like the man in the video, we are harnessed to our possessions in ways that can absolutely wear us out. You know, our complicated relationship with money and possessions is not a, is not a new problem. This is something that has been going on for years. So, rest assured, we're not alone when we face this. It even was a, a problem in Jesus' day. One day, a, a young man approached Jesus with a question. And we read that account today from Matthew. And the young man said, Teacher, what good things must I do to have eternal life? And he was a, a good young man. And he came to Jesus because he was attempting to live a very devout life. He had great intentions. His mind was in the right place. He loved God, yet he must have detected the pull of other forces that compromised how he lived his faith. He came to Jesus as a seeker, hoping for wisdom and, and direction. And Jesus told him to keep the commandments. Well, we just did a whole series on the commandments, so we know all about those by now. And as Jesus reviewed specific uh, commandments and requirements of the law, you could almost hear the sound of check marks being made in the young man's mind. The young man replied, I, I kept all of these, but what am I missing? Something still feels like it's not been accomplished. Now here's the thing about Jesus. If you haven't noticed yet, 
He knows what we're missing before we ask. Amen? So if we ask Him what we are still missing, we have to be prepared for the answer we're about to receive. Hello? <laughs> I heard someone or talking with someone this week and said, I've never met a prayer that God did not answer. But I don't know how many of those were answered in the way I was looking for. When you pray, we must be prepared for the response that is necessary. So when we ask Jesus what is missing, or ask God what is missing, we must be prepared for the answer. That answer is going to be very particular to the person who is asking. It will be different for every single person in this room. To the young man, Jesus said that day, if you want to be complete, go and sell what you own. Give the money to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. I don't know if you realize what's going on here, but Jesus was offering this man a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The young man was being offered the slot of the 13th disciple. Think about it for a moment. He could have heard Jesus teach daily. He could have performed and uh, witnessed and participated in miracles and, and helped the early church grow. Think for a moment of the man he might have become. Named synonymous with John and perhaps even with Paul he could have learned to love people deeply he could have written another gospel or given us a fifth view of Jesus as Peter shared in Israel, in Paul, in Asia Minor, and in Europe, this young man may have gone to Egypt or Asia or somewhere else and changed history there. We don't know what he could have become. Instead, all we know about him is that he could not change his relationship with money. He could not change his relationship with his possessions. When the young man heard what Jesus said to him, he went away saddened, verse 22 says, because he had many possessions. And we have to ask ourselves this question. We have to ask, why on earth would anybody walk away from Jesus? He was obviously serious about living a godly life. He knew Jesus could help him go deeper. It is important to note, too, that, that, that the young man's emotional state as he declined Jesus' offer. Some Bible translations say that he went away grieving. He was sad to leave. The young man was torn between two worlds. He wanted to do something new in life, to go with Jesus, to, to, to learn how to give his life fully to God. He wanted to experience a deeper righteousness, but he could not bear to sell out 
what he had. He knew that he was tearing up the winning lottery ticket in the discipleship lottery, and he wept as financial gravity pulled him back into his old world. Then Jesus, as the young man left, turned to his disciples and said, I assure you that it will be very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, in fact, it's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. I don't want to get deep into this scripture, but just for context's sake, the eye of the needle was a point on one of the paths in the Holy Land that was called the, the, the uh, eye of the needle. It was a section that was often way too small for camels to fit between. So they often, if you traveled by camel, you had to go on a different route because it was only narrow enough for a person to walk through. And that is what Jesus was referring to here. Jesus points out that we have a choice between two worlds where we can live. We have a choice between the kingdom of self and the kingdom of God. The first, the kingdom of self, is the world we see and that we touch every single day. It's everything all around us. It is the world that we have created that includes our family, our friends, our work, our hobbies, our home, our possessions, our abilities, and our interests. We manage this world. And this is a good thing, okay? This is not a bad thing. I'm not dissing the things that we have or own, not dissing or saying it's bad to own and want nice things. Remember that from... From last week, we talked about that. It's not bad to desire nice things. Some people uh, call this kingdom of self our sphere of influence. And it is a good thing because God has given us dominion over the things of this world. God gave us stewardship over all of the things that God has blessed us with. God made us to enjoy life, not live boring, dull lives. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a happy life. If you agree, say amen. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with living a happy life. The problem is when we start to lose perspective. When we start to lose perspective. We often think that Our world is the world. We know this is happening when we hear ourselves using the term deserve. Have you ever done this? Boy, I know I have. In fact, I did it recently. We say, oh, I know it's expensive, but I've been so good. I've worked so hard. I deserve this. I used it recently because I can barely fit in any of the pants in my closet anymore because I've worked hard to drop a few pounds and now I can't fit into any of my dress pants. So I said, oh, I worked so hard, I deserve a new wardrobe. Kate checking her head no because she knows it's true. I said, oh, if you want my britches to stay up, you'll let me get it. <laughs> we 
We say, I know it's expensive, but I deserve it. You, you do such a good job. You deserve to live a little. Just splurge. There's another good term. We splurge. You ever notice that people often use royal terms when talking about the kingdom of self? Oh, and, and I do this too. I talk about my, my, my daughter like this. She's such a, a princess. He's such a, a prince. Why we gravitate to those terms? It's because we protect the boundaries of our realm fiercely. Think about it. We protect the boundaries of our realm very fiercely. We can be very self-focused. The reason is that royals in the kingdom of self are innately self-interested. Now this is not all of us. This is not what we all get to, but this is how it can get. We do not want to lose the power or trappings of our reign. This is the space where financial gravity is felt with the most intensity. Notice that Jesus said, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God when we feel financial gravity as strongly as the young man did. So the question then becomes, why is that? Gravity, as we have already talked about, but if we are going to define it officially, gravity is the force that pulls all matter together. The, the more matter, the more gravity it takes to hold it down. Are you with me this morning? The sun has a huge mass that it can hold an entire solar system together. Okay, Money and possessions have their own mass as well, and they... Pull us in. The more we amass, the more we experience the gravity that comes from their mass. Are you with me? We must understand that if we do not manage ourselves, soon ourselves will start to manage us. Do you know what I mean by that? Our desires, our money, all that we want, we must control it before it controls us. Jesus said it's hard for people to escape financial gravity and move into God's kingdom. But you know what Jesus didn't say? It's because, are you ready? It's because God is so good that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That means amen. <laughs> In fact, Jesus made sure at this point to make it a known fact. And he said specifically at this point, when talking about money, that all things are possible with God. Jesus understood these dynamics both for the young man in the scripture passage and for all of us today. Defying gravity is that one thing needed to accomplish the goal of loving God completely. 
The good news is that Jesus offers us a way to enter the gravitational field of God's kingdom and leave the kingdom of self behind. In the kingdom of self, people end up wounded. But Jesus taught and demonstrated that when people are present in the kingdom of God, they are healed. In the kingdom of self, grudges prevail. But in the kingdom of God, people are forgiven of their sins. In the kingdom of self, envy, strife, contempt, and bitterness abide. But in the kingdom of God, kindness, compassion, love, and justice reign supreme. It's been the Lord's intention from the beginning of creation that we live in the kingdom of God of God and we learn to live the kingdom of self behind and Jesus is the force that leads us there just as money and possessions can weigh us down they also can be a part of what sets us free so we don't have to be like the poor man in the video laboring under the burden of the weight that we have accumulated today. So I have a challenge for you this week. You'll notice throughout this entire series we'll have a challenge together. Actually, I already started this. Kate doesn't realize it. I've started this already. We're going to undertake an experiment together and see how we experience the gravitational pull of financial gravity ourselves. My challenge for you this week is to clean out a drawer, or to clean out a closet, to clean out a room or an area of your house this week, and just see how it feels. It doesn't have to be a big old grandiose project, it can be just something small. The ease or difficulty of discarding items you no longer use will tell you a lot about the degree of financial gravity that you're experiencing. I also invite you to attend church, of course, during the course of this series. Invite someone else who you'd like to hear about this finding gravity, defying gravity to come and, and to hear the good news that Jesus is what sets us free and that with God, not even financial gravity can keep us down. Because with God, all things are possible to the glory of them who love God. And this is the gospel message today. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.